Emily, despite the rumors, you're still on the deconstruction zone. I'm still on the deconstruction zone. I feel like, I mean, it was only two weeks, right, that I wasn't on it? Four weeks of episodes. That I wasn't on it? Yeah. Oh, that is a lot. Okay, I get it why people said that. Yeah, it's been a while. So (laughs) longer in record. No, maybe maybe that's why. It's been less in record. That's probably why I didn't think about it. But yeah, I am back. There was a lot going on, but we're here. We also hung out one time in between where we thought we were going to record and then didn't record. So we've seen each other more frequently. Okay, I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, well, what's for the listeners who maybe thought that you had been kicked off the pod? My own grandmother called me and she was like, Emily, are you still doing the podcast? And I'm like, yeah, I am. And she was like, okay, good. So, <laughs> Well, what have you been up to since the, the pod has seen you last? Since the pod has seen me last, I started, had I already started school? Just, yeah, it was like, the, it was either that week or it just started. Yeah, yeah. So that's been happening. It's been, it's pretty fun. It's. Uh, yeah, I just love my students. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. I um Do you remember me talking about hating Pepsi on this podcast? No. So I got a DM from someone apparently that was like the hottest take ever. Um which when we get to uh re- or email corner, I do actually want to dive into this person's I thing. I love that. But uh Oh, I think you said we were talking about Coke Zero and then you were like Pepsi Zero like drinking puke or something yeah. and i was like bro yeah so where i just wanted to start this off i was interested like if you were ranking like pepsi pepsi max coke coke zero diet coke diet where would you like what is your hierarchy your mount rushmore of colas of, of colas i was actually driving the other day and i was like what if i became an rc cola girl i feel like that could work with my brand but that's aside that's besides <laughs> Do the they point. still sell royal cola oh is that what it stands for yeah Did you know, is that what you said Oh, when you said RC, I said the name in my mind. Well, I said RC Cola, so I said Royal Cola Cola. Mm, there Dang, you go. I messed it up. Okay. Love Coke Zero. Coke Zero. The best. The best. I would probably I'm a I'm a big like zero soda gal. I feel like it's the it's not too heavy. Yeah. It's just the right vibe for me. So I am gonna go Coke Zero, Pepsi Zero. Pepsi Max? Is that what it's called? Um a long time ago, it was called that. Okay, I, don't know. <laughs> I mean, you don't keep up with the Pepsi world. Clearly. I think Pepsi sucks. <laughs> okay. so. Coke Zero, Pepsi Zero. I would probably say, okay, this is this is gonna shock you, I think. And then I'm gonna go Coke, Diet Pepsi, Pepsi Diet Coke. Okay. What about you? Coke Zero, regular Coke, Pepsi. And then all the diets. I think just general Pepsi diet. Zero you don't like? It's probably in there somewhere, yeah. maybe. But I think if it's a diet in the name, it tastes more like metallic-y. I'm not into it. There's something about the taste of it. I'm not into it. Although, so. honestly, I can roll with Diet Pepsi. I mm-hmm. had a one of my Bible teachers in high school was like, we were talking about Lent. And he was like, you know, don't give up something that's not that hard to give up. Like, give up something that's like you really need to give up. And he was like, like, for me, that would be Diet Pepsi. And then he goes, <laughs> <laughs> And just moved on, and I was like, I love your commitment to Diet Pepsi. Yeah. And he definitely did not give it up. I think part of it might be, and this is like, because I did a blind taste test one time, okay. and I ranked all the Pepsis the highest, which is really funny, Ooh. but I still say that I don't like them. Some of it, I think, is the design of the can. Like, the Coke Zero can is the best, and so or the and the bottle. I feel the most... 
The red with black lettering? Yeah, I just love it when I have the can okay. or the bottle. And the other ones, I'm like, I don't need this brand in my life. I do like the like all black of the Pepsi Zero, though. Mm. It's just it's very classy. Sleek. Anyway. Um, what are we talking about today? <laughs> but anyway, oh, I started school. I, when I have a quick like anecdote from yeah. school that goes perfectly with the pod is I did this little like get to know you sheet. You okay. know, like get to know myself. Well, actually, it was like get to know them. So they can write answers. Right. But there was also a point that was like, do you have any questions for Ms. L? And one of them was just, do you believe in Christianity? And I was like, all right, you don't even know. I was like, I should have just <laughs> written the link to the yeah. pod. <laughs> <laughs> I got a podcast for you. <laughs> no, but it was it was like pretty interesting because I was totally that kid who would write that. Like yeah. the year I went to public school, that's what I wrote to all my teachers. So I was like, I get this kid. Yeah. And so I kind of just wrote like, like, um, I was raised Christian. I go to church. Like, I think Jesus is dope. I didn't really say dope, but, um, and then I was like, but I also think there's like a lot of value and a lot to learn from other religions too. Are you allowed? Like, so say someone asks you that you're allowed to say your convictions. If they ask you, you just can't like share them without being prompted. Correct. Okay. I can't just be like, Hey everybody, I'm a Christian and you should be a Christian. A lot of it is the like proselytizing. Yeah. Thing. Did you see Missouri pass a law where public schools can teach old new Testament now? Like no. as electives in public schools, I think. Catch catch me doing that as an elective next year. Mm-hmm. Old Testament. Bible is lit. Bible is lit. Bible is lit. And yes, <laughs> that'd be a great class. <laughs> um, um, but here's the deal. I'm a Barbie girl and in I'm a in a Barbie world. world. And we're going to talk about Barbie today. We are going to talk about Barbie. We... I, it's funny thinking back on it because when we were going to record, you saw it at like 10 p.m. the night before we were going to record, right? I did. I crammed it in as soon as possible and then we weren't able to record. But <laughs> uh, but I do remember seeing it very late. Yeah. Did you stay awake the whole time? Oh, yeah. I don't fall asleep in movies. That's um, good. Annie, though, my wife, stayed awake. Wait. You have a wife named Annie? I we do. We never talk about her. Also, a quick Annie update, actually, now that I remember this. <laughs> uh, do you remember when I talked about her making root beer? Was that with a Dustin episode or an S episode? Anyway, turns out she never made root beer. <laughs> She's like, I don't know whose story. So someone told me about them making root beer <laughs> and they made it, but apparently not my wife. So thank you for the corrections. Yeah. She was like, she said she started laughing and wherever she was, <laughs> which probably now she's going to be like, I didn't say that either. And now I'm just webbing, <laughs> spinning a web. The of lies. Um, my boyfriend and I are going to my Nana's log cabin on Saturday and we're going to make butter. Ooh, Isn't that kind of fun? We're going to churn it. The tables have churned. <laughs> Stop. Okay, Barbie. So what was your original take? Um, you can be honest. I have lots of takes. So I really, have we t- we haven't talked about this at all. Yeah, we talked yeah. about okay. it on. The- I like it. I thought it was a good movie. I, um, I didn't think it was like the world's most ground shaking movie that I ever saw. Like, yeah, I know there are people that walked out of it and they're like, this movie radically changed my life in every single way. And uh-huh. it's the greatest piece of cinema ever made. I would not agree with either of those. Also, there was someone that I remember walking out of the theater and saying, this movie wasn't made for me. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think in some ways I resonated with like it wasn't directly speaking to my experience as a person. As a man? As a man. OK. Um, but I also like thought the Ken story does like get into that kind of stuff right and the, right. all the male characters and different levels of masculinity and stuff i thought was interesting and that kind of stuff but yeah i liked the movie um i thought it was i would give it as a scale like a 8.7 out of 10 okay that's a nice score yeah i so i've seen it twice at this point yeah. the first time i saw it um 
my boyfriend and I went and saw it, and we were at uh, we were in Orange Beach, Alabama at the time, and we went after a day at the beach, which like sounds luxurious, but we were just. The sun still, like, takes it out. It just yeah. makes you tired in a weird way. So we barely, like, we both, this is really sad. We both were, like, entertained, but halfway through, both of us looked on our phones at the running time, which just <laughs> means you know that neither of you are, like, really in it. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> so we felt, we were like, we didn't love it, but maybe we didn't have the best experience or we didn't go at right. the right time. Um, but then I saw it again a few weeks later and was, like, much more prepared for it and really did enjoy it. And I felt like... I think Greta Gerwig's awesome, and I think I think the movie knew what it was, and I think that's kind of a hard thing to navigate because it was like we're we're making fun of Mattel, but we're also like sponsored by Mattel, and yeah, that was my favorite part actually was how self aware they were yes. about it and making fun of themselves while also being like a Mattel made movie. Also, if we're being honest, like it's a money like they know they're going to make sure. money by making fun of themselves. But I did think that they were like generally self-aware in a way that I was like, I appreciated that about the movie. Yes. And so, but I will say what I kind of want to dive into is I saw, I'm not going to be able to find it really quickly, but I saw something online that said the Barbie movie creates this alternate Garden of Eden story where instead of woman made for man, man is made for woman and like the way that that changes society and I found that fascinating because that – I remember – so right away, as soon as Ken came on the screen, that's who I related to. And I think oh. that that's kind of the point yeah. is that Ken, at least at the beginning, is representing maybe what a typical person would say like a woman's place in society is. Sure. And so like even at the beginning when it said like Ken exists – I don't really think there's going to be like spoilers, but I there might be. Spoiler be alert. Okay, it says, like, Ken is only happy if Barbie looks at him, and he just, like, waits all day for that. And yeah. I was like, oh, I think there's I think there's truth in my life and a lot of women I know, temptation to just be, like, it can be very, like, male-centered. Like, okay, well, am I getting male yeah. attention and, like, all that. And all that to say, then at the end, so totally a spoiler, at the end, <laughs> um, <laughs> Ken goes to Barbie, and he said, he goes, I'm... Like, it's not Barbie and then there's Ken. It's, like, Barbie and Ken. He was, like, an I'm and Ken. Like, I was made for you mm -hmm. to be your, like, kind of, like, buddy. Yeah. And he was, like, so my whole identity is in being your, like, person. Yeah. And when I saw that, I was, like, that is how I felt, like, the Garden of Eden story was told to me. And I didn't even – I think I didn't even realize how many implications that had for me as how I thought of myself as a woman and as a person and, like, where my worth is until seeing seeing the roles reversed and him saying, like, I'm not my own person. Like, I'm made to, like, fill your – like, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, so the Hebrew word in – the Genesis story is Ezer, like which means helper. And so this idea uh -huh. that like there was man, right? The Ezer was created, the helper was like this idea to be the supplement in the in some ways the well actually I don't think this, but it's been viewed as like the com completion to the whole, like the helping yes. this person realize their full potential. Um and so I think it's interesting. Like I wouldn't have thought about it that way, like in this Garden of Eden metaphor, but I can see that. But I do think to what you're pointing to, it's like 
the way and maybe you weren't exactly pointing this but like the way we're taught about the importance and the narrative of the creation story mm. does radically impact how we as men view our place in the world as how women view their place in the world how we view relationships like if you're a man how you probably view your spouse implicitly like that's funny because like you watching it it's like you didn't come in being like this is a connection to that story right the garden right, story yeah but you just naturally found your place in it with the person like with the guy character but it was just like their role within it like yeah. i get that and so i think that's interesting but also points to like i think a problematic nature of how we probably tell the creation story right and how we live out roles and places and like if a man or like if we're all kins like that's a pro like we are we have individualistic parts of us and we have stories and we are characters mm -hmm. in our story. So if our role is only to help someone else complete their story, I think that's probably problematic. Yeah. Also, if we're the main character and everyone is just helping to support us, that's also a problem. Right. So you said like you said you think sometimes that would how the church tells the creation story would also affect like men and how they see themselves and their spouses. Like, do you think that's true? Do you think men, like, see their spouse as almost, like, more of an accessory? Well, if you're the – like, if you're listening to a lot of Mark Driscoll and you're the spiritual right. head of the household, right? Like, what is your wife other than the person that's supposed to nod and say yes to you to help mm -hmm. you, like, keep the house clean so that you can have a clear mind to lead? Like, evangelical Christianity doesn't hide their views on gender roles. And so it's like, right. I think if you grew up in an evangelical type church, that's similar to a Mark Driscoll style church. And I only say him because he dominates my feed with masculinity posts on yeah. TikTok, And it's like, that's what they're purporting to be the way we have been designed to be is like men dominate, have dominion and lead mm. and their spouses who are only allowed to be women are the ones that are supposed to support them in all they do and like it's very much like your function and role is only to support the man's pursuit of their like purpose in life mm. um so i know it's really, like i he just made a post today about how dads should break up with their daughter's boyfriends if they're bad like so it's like even the dad like the daughter doesn't have like wait the dad should do the breaking up like if it's like yeah it's essentially like the daughter doesn't even have their own agency for their boyfriend right like and he's very much of like the man is in control of their wife and in control of their daughter until the daughter is then in control of their husband that, that is in control of them so it's like mm -hmm. women are just accessories to be passed around and so to even going back to the barbie thing like i could see how you could see Ken because that's what it, Ken in the story is an accessory that's yes. coming to terms with the fact that he feels autonomous or wants to be. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the movie, I've never seen a movie use the word patriarchy so much, but also do it in a funny way. Yeah. Um, but like, as he discovers like, Oh, I might have some agency. Mm. You see what happens. And he takes it to the complete worst degree. Yeah. Um, but he's like, I want to be a player in the story. I just don't want to be the accessory. Right. And at the end, that's not even what he wants. Like, he realized he was like, yeah. I didn't even have that much fun. Like, it was just about the horses for me. Like, you know, like, which is so funny. Yeah. But he, that wasn't even, like, the solution. The solution is he just wanted to be considered, like, a full person or doll just like Barbie. Yeah. But, yeah, I think, no, I think, like, Mark Driscoll is a great point because I remember in The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, there's this part where – his like he's mad at his secretary or something and he's like i only speak to heads of households yeah and her so her husband had to come in and he talked to her husband and she's sitting right there yeah and, and as a person that was a part of the team like she worked like right. you know what i mean like but still couldn't communicate directly with her because she was a woman 
because and then there's like so many reasons why. But I and I think I think we see in the Barbie movie like the women also having those blind spots a little bit of like the whole Supreme Court is women and like things and they're probably just kind of talking to each other and getting things done. They're probably not saying like I only speak to Barbies and not Kens, you know, but we do have a way to like see it. whoever's in power, even if it's accidental, like we'll see people as yeah. kind of accessories. And that's a really hard feeling as a woman, even because I feel like my whole life, I mean, I've shared on this, like, I think in the church, they very much say like women, like you have to get married. And if you're not married, something's wrong with you. And so like, that's something that's kind of always been in my psyche, I feel like. But watching that, I was like, oh, of course, because that's, was our literal job was to be yeah was like to we were taken out of man and then you just like have to find the person that you complete and help and it's like if that's your whole life that then when someone's like who are you actually when and she's like who's ken and he's like it doesn't matter like i'm just and ken you know yeah yeah yeah, it's interesting. Like the creation story, it doesn't explicitly say this, or people wouldn't explicitly teach this, but it's like men are created in God's image and women are created in like like as an afterthought out of man's image, mm-hmm. right? Or just like a kind of a secondary thing that's just supposed to like I've sometimes wonder, and you would answer like you grew up in this world, right. but like how much women feel in that kind of environment, like they're actually created in the image of God versus or if maybe you do, and I'm not, don't want to put words in your mouth, but maybe you do. But like, I guess that image looks different just based on your gender. I don't know. It's, I, I could see why it's both oppressive and confusing to navigate and live life within. But also, once you get outside of it, like to go watch a movie when you're like out of that mm-hmm. world, but you still can see things and get pulled back into it. Yeah, you know, because it was so ingrained in who you were. Well, I think. I mean, absolutely. I think when we talk about God with male language all the time as a woman, you, or as someone with a different gender, like you do feel less in the image of God, whatever that is, whatever Mm -hmm. image they talk about. And you do like, I mean, I've said that before. I was like, I feel like I'm less in the image of God. And even when they said like, you know, like Jesus came down and Jesus came down to fully understand humanity. I remember telling a friend, I was like, I don't think that Jesus fully understands my humanity because like he's never had a period. Like yeah. I don't think we've talked about that before, but it's just things like that of there are very specific female experiences that to say like male God and male Jesus fully understand you. It's hard to like believe that mm. or to feel comforted by that. Yeah. But also with the creation story, I was thinking about the idea. I've been. I was thinking a lot about the Garden of Eden story, as it pertains to the Barbie movie, um, and then I was thinking about like you know the classic homophobic phrase like it's Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Um, a time or two. <laughs> just a time or two. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but that brought me to the character of Alan in the story. Yeah, love Alan. Love Alan. So I'm going to be honest. The first time I watched it, I was like, why is this character in this movie? Like, mm-hmm. it just kind of didn't make sense to me. Again, okay. I was very tired. Yeah. But before I saw it a second time, um, one of my friends who's gay, he was like, they captured in a lot of ways the LGBTQ experience through the character of Alan mm. in the movie. And that's something that I wouldn't have like, I, I don't think it would have been on my radar, but as I watched it, it was so interesting because it constantly was like, 
how do I explain it? It was it was very much like a men and women movie, right? Like yeah. that, like they talked about patriarchy and what it is to be a woman and what it is to be a man. And there's this whole time, every time they say things like, "Well, Barbies and Kens like can be equal or they can work together," and then all of a sudden, like Alan, half his lines just feel like it's like, "And Alan, yeah, you know," which is really sad. But I think also really important because I was processing even as the Barbie movie like made me as a woman and I know several women they felt very much like seen by the movie or it named some of their experience that maybe they hadn't seen named before is I was like oh there is still so often like when we talk about the issues with men and women in the church and out of the church, we often forget to talk about the LGBTQ community like as a whole. Yeah. And Alan is just consistently going like, and Alan. Yeah. Yeah. I think I didn't think about it in terms of that necessarily characterized, but I did immediately connect. Like this is a group of people, men that are like not traditionally masculine. Maybe Mm, that's kind of mm. where I saw it. Like people that are more like, and not even like play sports, like I don't mean like that, right. but that are like not that interested in like fulfilling like super stereotypical gender stereotypes mm. um, of what masculinity or femininity means. But I did love his character because he's always, like you said, kind of like just chiming in with not only like wise tidbits, but also like don't forget about me. And I think yeah. like in some way, I, and I went in, I thought Alan was the bad guy. I don't know why I thought that. Oh. Like, I just assumed he was like kind of like trying to spoil everyone's thing. Mm. And so I was always very like surprised and happy whenever Alan popped in because he like continually um, came at it from a different angle that I just was, I was like, Alan's not going to be good, mm. um, which is probably like interesting to think about for anyone in terms of what you were just saying too, yeah. like how you cast a certain character in your mind. But then it's like every time he like, outperformed and outshined and like truly in some ways was the behind the scenes hero of the story like trying to work for lots of things but would never be the person that's like getting the medal or getting like billed as that but was kind of constantly working for both sides Mm. uh barbie and ken to try to be like how can we create a more not even just just like a more livable experience for everyone and like oftentimes those people are in the middle and get forgotten because they don't fit into one of the bigger chunks of the Venn diagram you know yeah and even like when they when all of the Barbies go and they like reinstate the Supreme Court and like you know pass or don't pass all those laws or whatever that Ken was gonna yeah pass Alan's there in a pink jumpsuit like everyone else and they're all like yay women got the power back and he's standing there and he goes I'm so happy and it's (laughs) like yeah you are happy but also like that didn't really help you yeah like I think sometimes I don't know. I feel bad like I'm consistently like speaking for the LGBTQ community, which I can't do and that wouldn't be fair of me to do. But it just seeing it the second time, every time he said and Alan or honestly, anytime he spoke, it just like hurt because I was like, we're this movie is still living in a binary that so many people don't fit in. Yeah. So I was just like processing that. Yeah. Yeah, overall, I mean, I thought it was a good movie. I thought that, and actually conversations like this, I find to be helpful because you can create a greater meaning out of it. Like Mm -hmm. as much as I watched it, I'm like, this. I didn't cry. And it wasn't like life changing. Um, And again, maybe it wasn't fully for me, but I did Mm -hmm. think it was a good movie. And I think like going, I think actually watching any movie with some lens for having, finding a social commentary in it is like not a bad thing. Mm. And I, that's what I have appreciated about anyone I've had the conversation with about, it. like my wife and I have talked a little bit about it since. And yeah. we've talked about it now, both here and a little bit off and like other people, Sadie and I have talked about it. And so I think like 
there is a benefit of like it's a conversation catalyzer which i think is yeah the best part about it for me is like people are having conversations about gender about roles about norms that maybe wouldn't like i was hanging out with a chunk of annie's family that's much more on the conservative side and believes in more traditional biblical roles and all sorts of things Mm -hmm. but it all seen the barbie movie and so it gave us a unified like piece of media Mm. to start from that was pretty objective like you could subjectively like be like this meant this or that meant that but like we were all looking at the same thing and it gave us from our different vantage points a really interesting path to have a conversation maybe we wouldn't have had before so i did really appreciate that because i'm with that side of conversation i'm oftentimes looking for a way to like share that i'm not some like kooky liberal to them yeah or some heretic christian and so it was Mm -hmm. like this oh this is a really interesting opportunity i'm presented to use this thing that they all really liked and maybe didn't see it pushing this narrative that I saw it, but at least we can meet in the middle. So I found it valuable in that regard. I dig that. And I, I feel like I've seen that to be true somewhat too. Like there are people who maybe I expected to not enjoy it or to say like that was too liberal or whatever, who ended up naming, especially women who I've talked to who maybe also lean more conservatively were like this movie named my experience yeah. in a lot of ways. And that's not inherently like liberal to say you know yeah. what i'm saying um which i think is important mm. um i felt like i was gonna say something else. oh but i will say i did see a lot of people from like my old church post and share articles about how this is like the mo- the the enemy of you know biblical yeah. christianity Eventually. and i was like all right and then i this this one woman who's awesome she is in the pca and she wrote an article that was just like things i liked in the barbie movie and she was like, I know it's not perfect, but I just feel like it's getting a lot mm-hmm. of hate. And I think that we can, like, find some common ground and find some beauty. And the comments just – it was a very, like – Was it hateful comments or positive? Hateful comments. It was like, I would never watch this. I would never let my daughter watch this. This is why we have such, like, a male-hating society. And I think that's one thing – and maybe you can speak on this as a male, but I <laughs> heard some people say, like, I don't think the Barbie movie is anti-man because – when like when things got switched and Ken like had all this power, he had patriarchy, he had everything he wanted, he also still wasn't happy. And so the point is like they were saying like there is like a sympathetic lens towards Ken in a sense of like, okay, like even when men like have more power, have all they want, like that doesn't necessarily make them happy and fulfill them. Yeah. I mean, I one, I think people should watch things that make them uncomfortable. Right. So I think like if it was anti-man, there's probably the reason it makes you uncomfortable is because men hold nearly mm-hmm. all of the power and you should be made a little bit uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But I also equate it to like white people being like, well, we don't want to give people of color reparations because if we do too much, then they'll take over and we'll be enslaved. <laughs> and it's like that's you're like blowing things yes. like way out of proportion and like equality should be what we're fighting for Mm -hmm. and being uncomfortable yourself should be a natural part of the learning process. Mm -hmm. And so like for me watching it, a, I didn't think it was anti men, but I thought it was a really interesting look at putting men in shoes as a character that they're almost never in. Mm. Um, And also like from you said this earlier, like the Supreme court being all women, right? Like men don't realize how problematic something like that is when it's all men. 
But I bet you a lot of men were like, oh, I'd never live in a world that was all women because X, Y, and Z would happen, right? They'd regulate my body and they'd tell me all these things, right? And it's like, oh. They'd all get their periods and get crazy. Sure, right? So I think from that regard, like we oftentimes when it's so normal to us, we Mm -hmm. look around and like we – and I can live in a really male-dominant – and I do – society – and I can go through it with a lot of ease without ever challenging it because it's comfortable to me. Mm. And so to watch that and see like all women and all of these roles that oftentimes are men, if that makes me uncomfortable, a great question is like, why does that make me uncomfortable? And when it's reversed to what it normally is of all men, does that make other people uncomfortable mm. and why? And I think at its end, it should make us all more aware people, not just like frustrated people, but yeah, but maybe also frustrated people that become more aware but I think oftentimes we avoid things that just make us uncomfortable um, because they make us uncomfortable. Yeah. I remember I, I was in like sixth grade. I was like pretty young. But my friend and I went and saw the movie Selma, which was about Martin Luther King Jr. And I remember afterward, we watched it. And afterward, I told my dad, I was like, we were the only white people in the theater. And my dad said, and how did that make you feel? And he was like, you've probably never had that feeling. And there are people who experience exactly what you experienced. Like a lot of the people in those theater, that theater have experienced what you felt that day all the time. Yeah. And it was something, I mean, and I was little, but that like really, I was kind of shook because I was like, oh yeah, it was a little uncomfortable. Like it wasn't like, oh, I can't be here, but it's weird when you're the only one different. Yeah. You like realize your otherness, right? When you were the minority in the room. And Mm -hmm. I think. Um, for me, I don't often experience otherness or I mean, yeah. I do from time to time and it makes me uncomfortable when I am, but it's like in my station in life and my place, like I don't often have to, I can avoid it if I want to. And mm. I think being forced to, or like challenged by choice doing that will only make you a more rounded human being because so many other people don't get the choice and experience it on a regular basis. Otherness. Yeah. And I think the last thing I'll say is like the reverse of that, I think, is true in which the Barbie movie showed me and I think showed a lot of women how comfortable we get in our otherness and in our like being seen as inferior. Like, but when you see it happen to a man, you're like, well, that's not okay. Yeah. You know, like when you see the way like Ken is treated, you're like, oh, my gosh, like that is wild. And then and then at the end of the Barbie movie, they're like, don't worry now, like the Kens have as many jobs and rights as like women do in our current society. And you're kind of like, Oh, that sucks for them. But in a day to day life, we just like kind of think that's normal. So I think sometimes we need to be uncomfortable, but also sometimes we need like uncomfortable in the fact that we maybe have a lot of privilege, but also sometimes I think the Barbie movie flipped it in a way that showed women like, Oh, we've accepted a lot that like if, that was done to a man we'd be like well that can't happen yeah it's kind of wild yeah that is yeah. wild. what was your uh favorite moment or quote from the movie Ooh, uh, that's a great question um honestly honestly kind of like what i what i started with but the scene when ken is like being like i don't know who i am apart from mm-hmm. like just being the person that compliments you yeah but i also did really like Ooh, I actually different answer. Yeah. I feel like I keep talking about periods on this episode, and I apologize. So but, twice. <laughs> but, but it shows how normative the male society is, and how otherness right. you feel just by talking about it twice. Okay. <laughs> um, but at the end, I at the first time I saw it, the end when she's like, "I'm here to see my gynecologist," and she like becomes human. 
I was like, that's kind of a stupid ending. And then I saw it the second time and I was like, dude, that is like we've we've walked through what it means to be a woman in society and we haven't gotten to be like what it means to like be a woman in your body. And like you almost kind of feel sad for her. Like you're like, oh, <laughs> you don't even know. <laughs> I That was a really powerful moment of like yeah. we've talked through how hard it is to be a woman and we haven't even gotten to anything related to women's bodies. Yeah. Until that moment. And it, I don't know. I actually ended up finding that really powerful. How about yeah. you? Way less. It's okay. Way less meaningful. Uh, when Kim yells, Kim yells sublime, I like laughed out loud in the theater. <laughs> I thought it was really, really funny. Like when he just slips behind the door. I can't even yes, remember what they're talking. Yes. He's like sublime. <laughs> and then Bob's <laughs> right out. I was like. The saloon doors. Yeah. yeah. It was killed me. Um, it was pretty that. funny. Um, um, do you want to move on to. Yeah. Email corner, or do yeah, you yeah. Do that next episode? Let's do email corner. Um, do you have any? Um, do you have any? Any emails? Yeah, I don't. Okay, let me. Um, actually, do, 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 do. email corner. I'm back. You're back. Let me see if I can scroll through here. So, uh, a woman named Ashley has. Uh, she's actually the one with the Coke versus Pepsi stuff that was uh, messaging us. Okay. Um, just, can I see who it is? Oh, you might. I don't know. Do you know this person? Oh, her and I have been messaging. Yeah, She's great. cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, be really weird if you said she wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> she sucks. I'm um, But she sent us you. a DM on the like deconstruction one. I think we both ghosted her. Oh. Um, her and I talk on my own that's Instagram great. now. So, but she, and maybe you already asked this, but I just thought it was an interesting one um, to say. She said also making a drinking game out of how many times I say compelling would get someone sloshed during the show. That's really funny. Um let me see if i can find this you know great production pre-production on my side would have been pulling this up before we got here well the only reason i asked is because you said you wanted to talk about that it's on the coke and pepsi thing i know i did and then i dove in um just so much in here um so someone or she had mentioned uh about and maybe you have these but like um in terms of like recovery from like mm. kind of the hyper evangelical, um, maybe like more culty like Christianity type things, like things that have been helpful as far as like recovery and transitioning out of that. She mm. was just like, What are things, uh, resources, books, podcasts that have helped you kind of transition out of what was like a pretty oppressive religious culture and climate? Like, what are some things? that helped you transition out of that one thing i recommended um i have a friend who did a podcast it was called simple mental health um mm. his name is jeff allen and it wasn't like a necessarily religious based one but it was like very mental health based which was a part of her conversation of like kind of regaining mental health as you get out of that and so mm. i thought that was like mm. a really helpful one that i could recommend but um for you like do you have any like recommendations as like resources for someone transitioning out of and trying to kind of regain some level of physical, mental, spiritual health yeah. on the other side of that. I That's a great question. The first thing that came to my mind is I will say as much as, and it's all recounted on here, but when I took like a pretty full, like hard stop break, mm -hmm. that was definitely almost like a palate cleanser and like a reboot because it is hard to like leave something that oppressive and then move right into like progressive Christianity because you're still working through all your triggers. And mm -hmm. so that's just one thing I thought of that's, that's maybe kind of a really big advice, but it's something that I thought of. But also I think for me, when I, 
was leaving and looking for things to like heal. Um, I mean, I've said this before, but the podcast Dirty Rotten Church Kids was mm-hmm. like a really big part of my story in that I, to me, it named actually this goes back to the Barbie movie because one thing that um, America Ferreira says is she's like the way to like heal is to name the cognitive dissonance. Mm-hmm. And I think at least for me, the Dirty Rotten Church kids did that really well. And they were just like, mm. it's kind of wild that they tell us this and this. And I was like, that is wild. Yeah. You don't feel alone, right? As you hear that. Yeah. It was really helpful. Um, and also, I think a big thing that's been to me is just like reentering it to my body. Because I think sometimes when you're in that space, you constantly have to be like, I feel this way about this, but I that's sinful. And so you disconnect yourself from yourself. Okay. And so I read the book, The Wisdom of Your Body by Hilary McBride. And she writes specifically through a deconstruction lens. Um, and it was very, very good. I really liked it. Um, and also I talked about this on our new age episode, but like the first time I did Reiki, like the energy healing, it was like pretty weird and I didn't really vibe with it, but I ended up doing it again a few more times with a different person. And it, I would say I, you don't have to agree with this, but it, it helped me kind of reconnect to my body and just the way that it like the the process calls you into connection with like your seven chakras, like don't laugh at me, like the seven <laughs> parts of yourself. And that helped me in my embodiment journey. Yeah. I would say just as a quick aside, if you don't already subscribe to the YouTube, you should just for the sake of watching my face as you're talking about <laughs> this Reiki healing. Um so I think that's great. So I hopefully that's helpful. And I think yeah. like uh, one thing I would say really quickly in terms of like email corner is sometimes just with, I mean, you being back in school and like church stuff, like going full, like yes. oftentimes I don't dive into our TikTok or Instagram or email very often. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would say just as a, an aside, like if you want to DM me, it's just my first name, Danny underscore Liebarger. Yeah. Um, if you have any like emails for us and I think if you're willing, you can give yours out as well or whatever. Yeah. Emily underscore Zell. That honestly, I'll probably respond quicker because sometimes I'll see the deconstruction zone thing, but sometimes I just want the red one to go away and then i open it and go away yeah. which is not the best. well i'll say actually i went back to go find one that and i clicked in it and i must have deleted it or just or it was in like our or like a, some ours get filtered a lot on the deconstruction yes, zone that's true. and so i miss a lot of them and so my personal one uh doesn't get filtered so i would just say if you want to reach out like those are probably two easier ways yes. but you can still use our instagram mm-hmm. tiktok if you can there as well email but um ig dms my personal one does get filtered like to like the request part maybe it does you too and sometimes i I miss it and so i remember i like spent a day responding to like 10 people who just were like thank you for the pod and i was like oh my god i'm sorry i just saw this but usually i'm getting better about that so i would say your best bet is to message one of us directly yeah it's great um recommendations yeah choo 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 recommendation station oh Oh, yeah. Is that what we're calling it? I don't know. It's I been think, so long. I think we did it's one time. It's been 85 years. Mm. Is that a From quote? the Titanic? Mm. I think. Is that your recommendation? No. I. That's one of my least favorite movies. Really? Yeah. We don't need to dive into Jack, that. Jack, paint me like one of your women. Isn't that one of the lines? <laughs> <laughs> it's just when she's like, I'll never let go. And then she just. <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, I just finished this book today. So okay. I'm really excited to talk about it. It's called The Humans by Matt Haig. Okay. It's a novel. Um, I kind of randomly found it, but it's basically this alien (laughs) who comes to Earth in, like, human form. Sound like the incarnation? Not really. But, um, (laughs) But basically, it's just his 
it's like through the alien's lens and he's like talking about everything he's noticing about humanity and he comes from this very like perfect world where there's damn maybe this is kind of spiritual like there's like no pain or death or suffering and everything is like logical and based in math and he basically is just like there was something really like he'll just be like there was something really comforting about talking to this dog because I knew he was loyal to me even though he never talks back and doesn't know what I mean but like think like little things like that about human life that you just take for granted being seen through like an alien lens and then seeing the beauty in it I just I I cherished it okay. I I called it on Goodreads an existential balm because it's just like it's just like oh yeah this is what's like beautiful about life I yeah. recommend it yeah I love that. Yeah. Uh, mine is not a book, though. I Do you have that on audiobook or did you read it? In, I listened to it. Um, I might have to get, give it a try. That sounds really interesting. I thought I would be annoyed by the guy's voice because he had a British accent. Not that there's anything wrong with having a British accent, but sometimes I don't like to listen to it for like nine hours in a row. Yeah. Um, but I got really used to it and really enjoyed it. Okay. So, yeah. So my recommendation, uh, one of my favorite stand-up comedians, Dan Cummins, just released on YouTube his stand-up special. So it's free and it's called Trying to Get Better. Um, I saw it live when he came to St. Louis uh, with my twin brother, met him and him and his wife backstage, which is a lot of fun. But I rewatched it and it was like better, uh, even better, like watching it. And sometimes I do think stand-up comedy is better watched than like the experience live is great. But I think you catch more of the jokes and the timing because what they put together for the special just works and the yeah. laughs help get you to laugh, all those things. But rewatching it is great. And it's a pretty big politically. It's a pretty big political commentary. Mm. The guy's not super religious, but he's like someone's like, oh, I'm not on the left and I'm not on the right. I'm kind of in this weird like middle ground. And it's just I really appreciate his comedy as a whole. Okay. His podcast is like one of the ones I religiously listen to and mm-hmm. like one of the few still. Uh, but the special was really, really good, and I liked it. So uh, trying to get better, Dan Cummins. It's free on YouTube, at least for now. So you can go watch it. That's great. Okay, yeah. I'm going to try to look that up. I don't think I've listened to any of Dan Cummins. Yeah, I think he's not, like, for everybody. And okay. so, like, a lot of people would be, like, either it's too profane or, like, he's just, like, not my style. He's pretty aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, but I find him to be, like, very, very funny. And someone that uh, is just, like, an inch. he's a Northwester northwestern person who's from idaho okay um grew up in like a pretty conservative area but has like slowly become more moderate to progressive yeah and i think i in some ways like jive with that like trajectory of life yeah Uh, and so like i resonate with him in that and he's not that much older than i am and so i find him to be interesting in that that's really cool yeah nice those are two pretty different recommendations for every kind of listener out there i think so (laughs) um well Um, cool well danny it's been great to be back be back in the zone in the zone and you know what they say Comfort, Comfort is a slow, slow death. death. <laughs> Emily, uh, I apparently has not been here since the set has been changed, and that was like the first thing she noticed when she walked in. I was just, I go, that's intense. <laughs> it's really cute. It's just like I love damn. it. I, it's one of my favorite parts of the new set. So, Dustin, you've done great. No, I'm not saying anything bad about it. I was just like, whew. <laughs> <laughs> um. um. All right. Well, anyway, thank you guys for listening. I did not leave the podcast uh, and embrace the journey. Look at that, a few weeks off and we're still snapping on time together. We're killing it.